Well, good morning. It is uh, great to be with you. And if some of you have been thinking that I've just been playing hooky from church, that's not true. I do understand that for the summer months, I haven't been here for almost seven Sundays. But here's the excuses. Um, one was vacation, and the other one's been camps. I have camped four weekends this summer already. And uh, some people were going out camping this weekend, and I wish I could have joined them, because I really enjoy camping. But, um, hey, Willie announced that there's a lot of kids, people going back to school. And so why don't we just find out how many? First off, what I want to know is, how many first-time kids, like, first-time JK going this year? Let's see. All right. So we got some parents to pray for. Uh, there'll be some tears shed, uh, you know. Any first-time parents sending kids for the first time to school? Okay, not quite as much praying, but um, I want to do this. Uh, I know we have some uh, college students that have already started. We have some Bible college students that are already on their way as well. University students. We have, and of course, high school students. Yay! High school students. Can't wait. Um, why don't all of those of you that are going to be heading to school tomorrow, or you've already, not tomorrow, Tuesday, or you've already started, would you stand? I want to pray for you. Come on, show it, show it, who's going? All right, let's just pray for these kids. Wow, that's a lot of kids, lucky teachers. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this country where we can send our students, we can send our kids to places to be educated. We thank you, God, for all those that are standing here. And fathers, they enter the school year. We pray for their protection. We know, God, that in school there are many influences, many things that will be taught at times that are not in agreement with your word. So, Father, we pray for your spiritual protection over all these students. We also pray for the friends they make. We pray for the classmates they have. Lord, I pray that these students that are standing here, God, I pray that they will make an impact in their school. I pray, God, that they will make an impact with their peers and with their fellow students. So, Lord, we just pray a hand of protection on each of these. And we pray, God, use them, make them a blessing to others. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, guys, enjoy school. It's going to be good times, good times. Hey, I want to talk about a story today. Thank you so much for reading that story to us. I want to talk about a story today that's a little bit strange, a little bit weird. It's not one that you necessarily, you know, look at and say, now what is the biblical message of this story? But I want to, you know, use this story to, um, to get the message across of how God is just, you know, basically if he's going to want to, if he has determined a plan, if he has made a promise, God will always fulfill his promise. Now, what I need to do is just an introduction, some background info that you need for the story to make as much sense as it should. Uh, I need to go back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. God God is having a conversation with a very old man. And this old man's name is Abram. And he is told by God, I am going to make you into a great nation. You are going to be the one who all these people are going to come from. If you know Abram's story, you understand this is a little bit strange because, well, they're having some trouble having kids. So let me read to you Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. It says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
And then he says this in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on the earth will be blessed through you. Now you can jump to Numbers chapter 22. And so here we have, you have to understand, the whole purpose of this is to understand that there is this enormous plot that is out there. And that is that God has made a promise to His people. God has made a promise to make these people into a great nation. They're not just going to be these people that are going to wander around without a home forever. No, God has promised, I will make you into a great nation. And now if you jump into Numbers chapter 22, we find the Israelites years and years later. Let me just try to give you a quick little history. Abram does have a son. His name is Isaac. And Isaac has these two sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob has this boy named Joseph. Following me so far? Joseph is sold as a slave to Egypt. And there in Egypt, he is the guy who basically saves everybody from starvation because he is able to interpret the dreams through God's power. And through that, God is able to use this young boy to help all the people. Jacob finds out about this, sends his other boys there, great story, and eventually the whole family moves to Egypt, and they have kids. And they have kids, and they have kids, and they are busy having kids, and all of a sudden, one day, the Egyptians are looking over saying, oh my goodness, these people are having an enormous amount of kids. If we don't do something, they're going to overpower us. So they enslave the people of Israel. They make them their slaves. Forty years go by, and God hears the sorrow of the, the Israelites in Egypt. He sends Moses down there, go get these people out of there, and you have the Exodus. It's not all as simple as I'm saying here, but that's how it happens. God is fulfilling His promise. The people of Israel sin in the desert. And God says, you will wander around in circles for 40 years until all those people who are guilty of that sin have died. And now in Numbers chapter 22, we are now at this spot where basically their 40 years of wandering are done. So, why is all this important? I want you to understand that God is in the business right now of fulfilling His promise. And there's all this stuff going on, and now we find this little story with the donkey and Balaam. Now, it says in Numbers chapter 22, verse 1, and we start reading through there, that the kings, the people, they look, the Moabites, and this guy named Balak, I want a name like that, if I'm saying it right, he looks over and he, say, he says to his own elders, and he says, look at this horde of people. If they come into our land, they're just going to drain it. They're going to take all energy out of it. We are going to be enslaved by them, basically. He's saying, we have got to get some help. And so... He sends for this guy named Balaam. And he sends a messenger, messengers to them and, and basically he says, I want you to come and I want you to curse this group of people. Who? The Israelites. The people whom God is to fulfill His promise to and say, I will make you into a great nation. Listen to what it says here in Numbers chapter 22, 5 and 6. It says, a people has come. This is the message he's sending to Balaam. A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people, because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the country. 
Now listen to this. This is what the guy says to Balaam. For I know that those you bless are blessed, and those you curse are cursed. In other words, Balaam is a prophet, not a good prophet, but he is a prophet. And he seems to be very effective in the cursing department. He has a reputation from this. We can see that he has a reputation that if Balaam curses you, you will be cursed. That goes opposite of the blessing of the promise that God has made to the people of Israel. So, the messengers get to Balaam and... You know, he's a, he's a good guy. He's like, well, I'll have to kind of check with God first. And God says, no, no, you ain't going to curse my people. And so he sends these people back. And they go back to Balak, and they're like, no, he ain't cursing. He's not, not doing any cursing. He sends them back again. And this time we are told that he sends them back with riches untold. In other words, a ton of coin. And he's basically like, you know, here's some divination, you know, money. I know if you get this, you know, you're going to be like, yeah, okay. And obviously that impresses Balaam because he says to them, well, I'll have to go check with God again. I have no idea the time frame between these two journeys, but obviously Balaam, when he sees the money and he hears the promises of great riches, I think he's hoping maybe God will have changed his mind. <laughs> We've never done that, I'm sure, but you know, there's something in it for me here now, God. Could I do some more cursing, please? Could I really, could I curse these people? You've got to read this yourself, because it's, it's kind of strange, some of this stuff. But God says to them, listen to this, That night God came to Balaam and said, verse 20 of chapter 22, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. It's kind of like God saying, okay, fine. That's what you want? Go. But you only say what I have to say, what I want you to say. So, if we were watching a sitcom, we read in verse 21, Balaam got up in the morning and he went. Now, let's just try to figure this out a little bit. We got this big plot. We got these people that are almost at the end of their big journey. They're almost at the place where God can fulfill where God will fulfill His promise. We will make you a great nation. Now, they are already a lot of people, but they have no land. That doesn't make them a nation. So, they're just a large number of people wandering around. So, there they are, almost at the place now where they will be a great nation. And then on the other side, we have this man who's now, you know, he's heading off to curse those people. And we know from his reputation that if he curses the people of Israel, they will be cursed. And if you're watching a TV sitcom, you know this is where they would pause for commercial because they got to have a spot where you're going to want to come back and see what happens. And while you're watching your commercials about how you should get out and enjoy Ontario or how if you bought certain shampoo, your hair would just flow, and all the time you're watching these commercials, you're going, and what happens? What's going to happen here? Who's going to be the hero? Who is God going to use to reach this man, and stop him. Well, this is where we have to introduce you to this other party in the story. And that, my friends, please work, is a donkey. We read in chapter 22, verse 21, Balaam got up in the morning 
saddled his donkey and went to the, with the princes of Moab. It's the only new character that we are introduced to. So this is obviously a significant creature. Ears all twisted and stuff. Let me just tell you a little bit about donkeys. Um, good old Wikipedia helps out a lot with this stuff. Donkeys, as you all know, who has ever been around a donkey? They are known for what? Stubbornness. All right. You know, these, these animals are not exactly known for being cute. You may consider that cute, and there is something wrong with you if you do. Um, and if you've ever owned one, I'm sure you're not like, oh, it's okay, sit there, you're cute. Just sit there, you know. Um, they're definitely not known for being majestic. I don't think so, but maybe someone does. Um, I'm sure they're not understood or known to be powerful, although they definitely can carry weight. Um, and they can carry even heavier weights. Look at that guy. It's just, thank you, master. You know, I'm feeling the love today, you know. But, um, you know, but they're not known to be powerful in the sense of, you know, conquerors. Oh, yeah, you can load all kinds of stuff on them. They'll wander uh, when they want to. They will. Um, they're not necessarily known to being beautiful or graceful. Um, yeah, you can. That's looking somewhat graceful. Um, but these things are known for their stubbornness. Now, listen to what Wikipedia has to say about why they're so stubborn. Donkeys have a notorious reputation for stubbornness. But this has been attributed to a much stronger sense of self-preservation than exhibited by horses, likely based upon the stronger prey instinct and a weaker connection with man. It is considered more difficult to force or frighten a donkey into doing something it perceives to be dangerous for whatever reason. In other words, if a donkey decides, today I think doing my chore is dangerous, he's just not going to do it, and there's no real explanation for it. Um... It says in Wikipedia, although formal studies um, on their behavior are somewhat limited, in other words, no one cares enough about this creature to really do an intense study on them, donkeys appear to be quite intelligent. Can't you tell? Cautious, friendly, playful, and eager to learn. Now listen to this. There are about 44 million donkeys today. And I don't, sorry, I should have got the date, but I didn't. China has the most, with roughly 11 million, followed by Pakistan, Ethiopia, and Mexico. Yeah, the motherland. Um, some researchers believe that there are way more donkeys, but they're often not even significant enough to count. In other words, someone might say, you know, let's do a count of the donkeys in the fields, and let's go find out how many donkeys are there in our country. <coughs> and... Um, you know, every farmer gets this notice, and he's like, ah, I ain't going out there to count no donkeys, and he sends none. You know, he just doesn't care enough about this donkey. It is an insignificant animal. Now, donkeys have been known to find themselves in some weird places. How that happened, who knows? This is probably the most famous donkey picture ever. <laughs> who has seen this before? Yeah. Uh, if they make it on a postcard, it's probably something like this, you know, <laughs> imitating the boy by the looks of it. But basically, there you go. That is probably 
the look the donkey gave Balaam when he's like, let's go for a ride. You gotta be kidding me, man. No way. I just gave you a ride yesterday. Dan, you can just mute. Oh, Dan's gone. Um, you just mute that because I don't want people like just staring at that the whole time. Thank you. All right. Now let's turn to the text that was read already. Yeah, you have a little picture of the donkey. And I want you to understand now the bigger picture. I want you to remember that. There's, there's this group of people coming over that God has promised this um, promise to that He will make them into a great nation. And on the other hand, you have this man coming now to curse them. So let's read what it says here. Now we know God said to Balaam, go. If that's what you want to do, go. But he wasn't happy with Balaam's decision. Basically, Balaam should have figured out God does not want me to go because it says in verse 22, but God was angry when he went. And then in verse 23, sorry, um, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road, and we read ahead of time that this angel goes out, he turned off, she turned off the road into a field. So what does Balaam do? Talks to it. No, he beats the thing. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. And then the angel of the Lord went further down the road where there was no room to turn into a field. There was no uh, field to turn into. And then donkey moved up against the wall, crushed Balaam's foot, so he beat her again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord... Listen to this. You've got to understand, this angel is not just standing there like this. This angel's got a sword ready to strike. And when the donkey saw this, it says, She lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat her with his staff. Nice guy. Aww. Cute donkey getting beat. Big time. Then, this is where the story gets crazy, Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she said, yes, she said to Balaam, the donkey speaks. Now there are some people out there that say, no, because Balaam was a prophet, he just, you know, prophetically was having this conversation with the donkey. No, I believe this donkey spoke. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, why, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Now, if you think that's crazy, listen to this. Balaam answered the donkey. And he says to him, her, sorry, you have made a fool of me. Now, why? Well, you've got to remember, there's these other people in the party. Remember, there's this princess from Moab. And they're with him. And he's the big guy coming to curse. And this guy can't even control his own donkey. And they're like, come on already. You know, can't you get that animal out of control, under control? And then he says this, listen to this. He says, if I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. Oh, the irony. Here stands this angel with a sword in his hand. And had the donkey not done what the donkey did, he'd be dead. And the donkey said to Balaam, they're having this great little chat while the donkey's lying on the ground. Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this? I think the donkey's saying, excuse me, 
Don't you get it? There's something going on here. How can you not see the angel? Don't you get it? Something's happening here. And, and Balaam has to respond and say, No, yeah, you're not in the habit of doing this. This is not something you do regularly. And then the Lord opened the donkey, uh, Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed down and fell face down. And now they're both in the dirt. Listen to this, verse 32. Then the Lord, angel of the Lord answered him, asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now. But... I would have spared her. You guys understand the moral of the story, basically. Had this donkey not done what it did, Balaam would have been dead. Now, just to quickly wrap up the story, Balaam gets back on the donkey, and off they go, and he tries still three more times to see if God will give him permission to curse the people, and he doesn't. God just like, no way are you cursing my people. I have made a promise and I will fulfill this promise. And in the end, Balaam actually, I mean, yeah, Balaam actually ends up blessing the people of Israel. But clearly this experience got Balaam's attention to say, I will only do what God tells me to do. I will only say what God tells me to say. Here you have this insignificant animal. And when we were looking for a hero, when we were looking for who is God going to use to get through to this man so that he cannot go over there and curse the people of Israel, most of us would not have considered the donkey as the, the vehicle through, through which God would speak. The moral of the message is this. I want you to understand this. If God can use a donkey, He can use you. If God can use a donkey to impact and influence one man who would then have an impact without even knowing it, really, on thousands and thousands and thousands of people, He can use you. I want you to use your imagination for a moment. And please use your imagination because this is nowhere found in Scripture. But let's just imagine for a moment. The night before, God meets with the donkey in the stable and he's like, hey donkey, this is all imaginary here, okay? And the donkey's like, hey, how you doing donkey? Oh, I'm good, but you know, God, if you could do something with this voice. I'm just having some trouble attracting the ladies with this voice, it's just... And God's like, no, don't worry about that. And God's like, I'm a little mad at your master. As a matter of fact, I'm very angry with your master. And I need to get through to him, I need to get his attention. And donkey's like, okay, what do you want me to do? And God's like, well, I want you to understand something. Tomorrow, I want to use you. I want to use you to get through to, this master, to your master because i gotta get, I got to get his attention. And the donkey again's like, well, what do you want me to do? And God's like, no, I want you to understand something. I'm not going to tell you what exactly I'm going to do because you've got to understand what I'm going to do is way beyond your imagination. If I tell you right now what exactly I'm going to do, you're going to freak out. So all I want to know is, is can I use you? 
Because, please understand, by saying yes or no to this, I want you to understand, what I'm going to do through you is, you know what, it even goes beyond any natural gift you have. There is no gift you possess that is going to make this happen. It's going to be all me doing it through you. I'm asking you, donkey, tomorrow, can I use you to get through to this man? And we're having imaginary story time here. And the donkey says, yeah, I'm game. I'm game. Like I said, I doubt very much that this conversation ever happened. But I do know this. I do know this. That there's been times where God's come to me, and there's been times where God's come to you, and he says, I want to use you. You want to use me doing what? Well, since it was mentioned, maybe I should just say it, to teach pioneer clubs. Okay, just a little plug there. But I want to use you to do something that is beyond your imagination. As a matter of fact, Ike, you don't have a natural gift to doing what I am going to do. But here's the thing I want you to know, Ike. It's going to be me doing it through you. What do you say, Ike? And like with yourself, I have too often said, I can't. Uh, no, I, I can't, God. What, do you, what exactly do you want to do? It's not important. I just want to know, can I use you? Oh, God, I, I don't like these kind of situations. No, no, I can't. I, I'm busy. I'm busy. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples when they were at their own wit's end? They were like, what do we do here? We, we're kind of stuck. What does Jesus say to them? Luke chapter 18, 27. He says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. God will always fulfill His promise. And He wants to know, are you willing, am I willing, to be part of it? You've all heard this little illustration about, you know, the baseball game. And I just want to kind of totally mess up this story and tell it my own way. Um, here's the story of this baseball game. And, and it's the bottom of the ninth inning. The home team is up to bat and they are down by three runs. That's the bad news. Oh, the other bad news is there's already two out. But the good news is this, the bases are loaded. So the team is pumped. They've kind of rallied with two outs. Often happens, you know. And now the bases are loaded and everybody's like pumped again. The fans are like, yeah, here we go. You know, bottom of the ninth. All we got to do now is get that hit. If we can just get the batter up to bat who's going to drive home a home run, we win by one run and we are so victorious, we are so awesome, and everybody's energetic again, and then they're, of course, all waiting, who's the next batter, who's the next batter, and the coach is like, oh, shoot, you know, because he's celebrating, he's so pumped, he's kind of lost focus, and he looks at the list, and then he calls out the name of the boy who has never hit a ball in his life, and his whole team, oh, that's not the hero He's not the hero. And the other team, of course, is like, yes! Yes! We're going to win! This guy, we've been watching this guy. He hasn't touched anything all game. You've got to understand something about this boy. He did not wake up that morning wanting to be in this situation. 
He did not exactly shower that morning, get his stuff on, and say, you know what, I really hope that the whole game will depend on me today. No, this boy just wanted to go play baseball. He did not exactly hope that he would be the guy that everybody's going to be looking at. And you know what, all throughout the game, he was just a nobody on the team. He went up to bat, struck out, and sat down, and nobody cared. But now, all eyes are on him. And that's where I'm going to end the story. Because you see, the, the big question isn't whether or not he hit a home run. The big question is, did he go up to bat? Did he go and do what he needed to do? Even if he was gifted in it or not. God is not asking you and I to do stuff that's going to, you know, depend on our strength. God is simply asking, are we willing? There may be times where God's asking you to do something and you're like, I don't have the gift. Well, just remember, God's got a whole trunk load of gifts. He's never short gifts. All He wants to know is, are you willing? Like this donkey. All He had to do is open His mouth and God spoke. Let's remove this little phrase called, I can't, from our vocabulary. If God is calling you and I to doing something, then our response must always be in our own personal lives and in the life of the church, in our community, our response must always be, okay, God, I'm willing. So let me end with the words of Isaiah 6.8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, God, for how you use us. And Father, I just pray as we consider this story, and we look at this story and we say that's so remarkable. That's, wow, that's like crazy. But God, I know that we have our own stories where we can look back on and we can say, wow, God did some crazy thing through us. Father, I want to pray for the people in this room. I want to pray for myself. Lord, I pray that we would always be willing to be used by you. Father, I pray that we would just make ourselves available for however you want to use us. Lord, I pray that we would never insult you by standing in the way because we feel that we can't. I pray, Lord, that we would always remember the truth, and that is that you can do anything you want. You just want to know if we are willing. So Father, I pray that all of us would be willing servants who would say, send me, because I'm willing to go. Thank you, God, for using us. In your name I pray. Amen. Please stand for closing. Thank you.